You are listening to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. This is Season 5, Episode 38 of the podcast. Today, the summer of CC Challenge would be to, like, stick your finger in the fan as it's spinning. Hopefully not spinning very fast, and hopefully the fan is plastic so you don't hurt yourself. But what does it take to stop the spinning of relapse and anger and... Ah, the fidget spinner of anger and addiction. Love that bumper by 6am. ASI247.org is the website for this here podcast. And I'd like to thank listener Michael for his generous donation in being a co-producer, conspiring with myself and the ASI listeners on this endeavor. Uh, I'm glad you're still listening, some of you. Uh, that, that song is this anthem, right? Like... You have come to the right place. And not saying that to be arrogant or something like that, but the last show, basically what I did was I called this kind of purity movement in Christian circles. And I consider myself a Christ follower, more of a Christian mystic uh, kind of spiritual anarchist at this point in my life. But um, I do love Jesus. I would fall under the heading of Christian. But I also, in the last episode called purity a sin (laughs) which is going to uh, raise some eyebrows and maybe tick off a few people but everything in that last episode like that's a lot of where I've come to in a lot of research and study understanding my own life and my own ability to hide and otherize or you know demonize other people not that we always demonize other people but I think we subconsciously otherize right and the fact that a lot of neurologists today are calling for a redefinition of the word addiction to understanding what attachment disorder is right and this movement in the area of healing sexual addiction or sexual compulsive behavior, calling it calling it an intimacy disorder, right? And intimacy could be defined as this. It's like all that stuff going on in your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, all the things that you're experiencing that you think about on a daily basis, like you talk to yourself more than anyone else, all that stuff going on in your head, it's... It's sharing that with someone else. It's getting that outside of yourself in a way that you feel, I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but you feel like you can be yourself and and be comfortable in your own skin and talk about what's really going on down inside. And purity, as that's defined in a lot of religious circles, can be a hindrance to that. And it's no wonder that Christians or religious people in all sorts of denominations have such a strong attachment or addiction when it comes to pornography, for example, because there's this, you know, it's just like a social norm. We grew up in it. We It's water, right? Like the little fish who goes, what's water? I don't know, because they grew up in it. So when we grow up in a situation like that, defining sin with really loose terms, uh, there was a theologian, I can't remember his name, but it had a great definition of sin that of it being a break in shalom, right? Like there's this peace that should be active in the world and we break that and we all do it, right? But there's something to defining sin that way. I thought that was a beautiful definition of what sin is. It's a um, conscious, active break in shalom 
And if you look at the Pharisees in the Bible, right, like Jesus is constantly after the most religious elite, the people that are doing the law, right? The religious holy people, the people whose behavior is just spot on. He has the biggest issues with them. Why? Because they're breaking shalom with that kind of attitude towards the other. And in 500 years of dominant Protestant Christian culture, we don't even see it. You know, the purity movement, I didn't even mention this in the last show, but the purity movement here in the United States had a lot to do with keeping the white strain, right? The the white people not mixing races because that would be impure to the white race. It's really disturbing. A lot of people don't talk about that part of the sexual purity movement, where purity rings, stuff like that came from. But it has roots in some pretty dark otherizing, all right, or demonizing of black people in the United States. Ugh, I know. And now it's come to the point where we don't even see it. And no, I'm not calling all purity folks racist, all right? I'm not saying that. But there's this subconscious thing we we don't even realize where the otherizing, the these are in people, those are the out people, that can cause some real damage when it comes to our ability to be intimate with others in the world, right? I don't know. It just made a lot of sense to me. But who am I? <laughs> I'm just an Uber Lyft driver from Seattle. I, I'm your professional unprofessional. I usually mention that in the podcast. I try to at least once, right? Like, this is not digital therapy. I'm not a counselor or psychiatrist. God, no. Um, but I have studied this stuff. I'm not a moron either. I listen to countless hours of lectures on psychology, theology, social psychology. I geek out on social psychology. That stuff is really interesting to me. I love to learn. Hated school. All right? That's just me. I had a lot of learning disabilities, and the way I valued myself at the time was a huge issue in my ability to learn. I've been called a pretty smart guy. Uh, Do I want to embrace that? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a little, I'm afraid my ego's going to run off with it, right? Like, hey, smart guy. No, I, uh, to be honest, uh, fed my ego with I'm a badass and even a dumbass a little bit, right? Like, and I was told by teachers, I had some pretty horrible teachers in the public school system around here, not casting blame on everything, but just I was told I was couldn't learn, right? You got to go to the special ed class. Like nobody came out right and called me stupid, but I had teachers that got very frustrated with me and my inability to learn like the other kids. And that just fed into this, you know, you're a bad egg, right? You got bad brains. That was another one. There was a punk band back in the day called Bad Brains. I can identify with that as a kid in school who just felt like, I don't want to be stupid, you know, that kind of thing. So my brothers and sisters out there with ADHD or other learning disabilities, man, stick with it. I want to encourage you that the more you discover about yourself and your own strengths and who you are, the easier it becomes to get through something like school. And I'm I, um, a little envious of some of you who are in college, right? Like some of you in university, like I... I wish I could have gone, you know, I wish, and I maybe could have if I had focused in the right direction, but that's all water under the bridge. My life is what it is now. But uh, if you're in college or university, or maybe you're getting ready for that here in the fall, as I'm recording this, um, man, I just encourage you to stick with that and to keep plugging away and to keep, I mean, that's part of a college education. There's a very great lesson in resolve that you learn in college. Some of my friends who've graduated from college have talked about that. And I, I talked about that in a lot of some of the early shows, like, don't you quit, you know, get back up, that kind of thing. You learn that shit in college, right? Like you learn it in spades because sometimes it's these tests and these things you study and, you know, having to just bear down and learn stuff, man, that can be difficult. But 
again, I'm, I'm proud of you guys who are venturing off into college and are an uneducated cat like myself. <laughs> Put that in quotes. Because that's one thing I did do. Like, I listening to this lectures over the years doing this podcast for 12 years i started listening to itunes u and i've listened to full semesters at berkeley and and yale and oxford university in great britain hello oxford love those guys love that school i love to learn i love just being like a fly in the wall in those classrooms so again i want to encourage you guys in school to stick with it and man i uh wish I was sitting next to you in class, you know, we would, I don't know what you do nowadays, play with a fidget spinner, (laughs) spin our fidget spinners together as the lectures got boring. Maybe, I don't know. What does that have to do with this episode? I'm glad you asked. And as that segue was just awesome, right? (laughs) We're going to get into it. I promise after this next bumper. And listen, I'm glad you're spending this time with me, and I and I thank you for listening to a cat like me talk about an analogy that has to do with fidget spinners, right? Because I don't know everything. I'm not trying to tell you what to do as much as give you a glimpse into my life and as someone who really suffered with this kind of compulsive behavior to the point where it caused some major damage in my life. resonates, right? Does it resonate for you? It does, brings me back, right, to some of that place that I was in and how it felt to be there. Godsmack, kind of an angry band, and that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit more today, and I've touched on this in other shows, but I have a kind of a cool little uh, metaphor for you that (laughs) goes along with the fidget spinner when it comes to anger and and sexually compulsive behavior because they're very similar, all right? The thing about energy, though, um, I wanted to talk about energies a little, and this is going to sound, for some of you, new agey, (laughs) to use those words. There's a lot of Christians listening. I consider myself a Christian. I am that guy. I said that before, right? Stop, Russ. We get it, all right? But here's the deal. Some of you are going to be like, well, that doesn't sound very doctrinally correct. And, and and I've said this a bunch of times, but doctrinally or biblically according to who? All right? Like, I'm still a big Bible guy, but let's face it. There's over 100 translations of the Bible. That's just in English. All right? So, and and I like to bring up Scripture. I do. I, I'm, I'm a Scripture guy. I believe that God speaks to us as individuals through the Scriptures, but that's God speaking to you. And when people try and muddy up those waters, it gets me angry. <laughs> Use those words. It, uh, it has me raise an eyebrow. It has me want to engage. All right? And that's what I'm doing here is I'm engaging some of that. And... Truth, all right? If truth is true, then isn't it God's truth? Just wanted to say that. Just let that hang out there for a minute. If it's God's truth, then it's true. Or does it have to be a different kind of truth? That's silly, 
It's just true. If it's true, it's true. If it works, it works. It, it doesn't have to have a, a Christian stamp of approval on it from some denomination, does it? Um, hopefully it doesn't for you. There's something that my friend Seth said that is going to have to get into your mind and heart a little bit as you get into these waters, as you engage this love, hate, sex, pain, feelings. Um, and I posted this on the Facebook page, uh, Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection. If you want to check that out, uh, it's something my friend Seth said on another podcast called uh, Blowing Up the Box or something like that. Um, he said, if you're going to overcome this stubborn addiction, don't expect to come out of it with your old belief systems intact. I'm still a Christian. I'm just a much different Christian than I was at the beginning of this journey. And I love that. That is so true. Your level of consciousness must grow, all right? It must expand in order for you to see this differently. You can do behavior mod all day, and maybe some of you are listening because the behavior mod stuff didn't work. Or maybe it did work and you just got addicted to something else. Or it's working, but you're kind of like a dry drunk. I don't know, that's something the AA term uses where you're you're not doing the behavior. I had somebody that filled out a survey. I talked about that in the last podcast that said, I'm afraid of letting go of this behavior that I really like to do. And who will I be then, right? Which is really interesting. And it's a very honest statement. And it had me thinking about sexually compulsive behavior being like an energy that's trapped in your body, much like anger. The similarities between these two things has a lot to do with working out anxiety and or depression. Um, depression is a very low vibration kind of energy. Uh, rising up out of that, what feels like rising up out of that, is an expansion of energy from your body. Like if you can get some of that depressed or anxious energy out of your body, feels like you're bringing yourself up to a higher vibration for a little while. You feel alive, especially while you're jerking off, right? Or masturbating, to use those words. <laughs> Let's clean it up, Mr. Shaw. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but I'm picturing, you know, there's not just guys listening, and I'm, you know, do women jerk off? I'm not going to let your mind um, crunch that one. Right. I don't want to put movies in your head. But do you, you see what I'm saying, right? That, that energy is very real. And you can feel it, of course. That's why we do it. Um, feeling that working itself out is why we keep returning to it as well. Same with anger. When you get angry about something you're anxious about or instead of feeling depressed, that's kind of where I went. I'm more of a maniac mania is something that I liked because it rose me up out of it's a it's a higher vibration than depression and that's something I want everyone to be really aware of when it comes to spirituality when it comes to your relationship with God is it a relationship with God or is it very cerebral or is it very in your head is it based in doctrines and books not that there's anything wrong with that like I think that on one level, it's really good to have some kind of systematic way of thinking about morality, for example. But I think that as time goes on and as we spin the spinner or we invest in others or invest in ourselves, my point is that people can believe in God and can follow a spirituality for exceedingly life-giving or there's a ministry called Desiring God and it's one of those kind of consciousness things that I have questions, right? Because you can desire God for really life-giving reasons and you can also desire God for really destructive and life-choking reasons as well. It can be both. 
some of the systematic way that you think about God can be keeping that spinner going, and some of it can be an ocean of love that would swallow it. So, having said that, what does this have to do with the fidget spinner, Russ? You're you're piqued by curiosity. Please solve the dissonance. <laughs> Some of you are going. You're just you're into this. You're you're dedicated now because I brought up fidget spinner and and some of you are still like hung up on what I said about energies and vibrations. Right? You're gonna start talking about crystals, Russ. <laughs> you're gonna read me my freaking horoscope? No, I'm not. I think a lot of that stuff is silly. Um. Except for the Himalayan salt lamp. Like, you should get one of those to clean the demon spirits out of your home. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. I don't I don't think Himalayan salt lamps do anything. Except maybe, maybe give off positive ions. Because there's salt and light's going through the salt. Is it warming the salt? I don't know. Do positive ions change your behavior or how you feel or react with these kind of spiritual energies? I I don't know, and there's no proof. So (laughs) I don't know if I have enough faith in buying a Himalayan salt lamp and thinking that it's going to cause me to not be as distracted or angry or uh, (laughs) mania-bound. I I just... Anyway, but I will buy... I'm not going to do... I could... There's a bunch of these new agey things that you can buy. You know, there's a whole market out there. They're capitalizing just like the Christian bookstore, you know, or the Catholic bookstore where you can buy like a little statue of St. Joseph and bury him in your yard if you're trying to sell your house. It's true. People do that. Um, Okay, I'll stop. The point, getting back to the point, the fidget spinner. So a fidget spinner is one of these things. I I guess it was invented by a a kid on YouTube who thought that this would be fun. And and I don't know if he patented it because you see them everywhere now. And they're not like there's the one. It's called the fidget spinner. And then and now they have spinners and they're just a, a thousand of them. So somebody stole the guy's idea. And I don't know. So. It's a it's a cool concept though, right? It's just a it's just a ball bearing spinner thing, and I don't know how much money the guy made, but it's like okay, I'll just put something on your finger and spin it. That's all it does. That's just what it does. Uh, there you go. Have at it. That's ingenuity and being an entrepreneur, right there. I'm my hats off to the to the dude. Anyway, my red flow. I even called this. Uh, layers of anger. I don't know if it's layers as much as it's a spinning thing that it's set in motion. So if you picture like a, uh, you know those pinwheel things you stick in like as a firework and you light it and it spins really fast and shoots sparks, there's usually like four points to it. So if you think north, south, east, west, and in the center is the axis in which this thing spins, that's kind of what I drew here. And these are notes I took for the other podcast I do, Punk Theology, which, by the way, truth, that's a good, it might be a, a topic we we toss around. Is there a different kind of truth? What are we talking about when we're talking about truth? Um, interesting. Again, so this is just something I came up with, and, and I think it's true. <laughs> Spinning true is something I learned as a machinist, and I talked about that in some of the early shows. Like, there's only one way that something can spin true. If you put, like, if you put something in a lathe, for example, as a machinist, they would put metal parts in a lathe and machine them down. But if that part was oblong just a little bit, it wouldn't spin true. And it was dangerous because it could fly out of the machine and hurt someone, right? Or it would look like it's spinning true until you put the cutting tool on it. And if it was oblong, it would just bust the cutting tool, which is also dangerous. And so you, it was important that that thing was spinning true. Uh, but as far as this fidget spinner, it's just realizing the energy that it's spinning with is what I want you to think about. There's an energy causing this thing to spin. And what does that look like? So the north side of the spinner I wrote down as explosive event, right? Um, sexual addiction is like that, right? Like part of why a relapse is is an explosive event when it comes to 
sexually compulsive behavior, right? You had an orgasm, you climaxed, you PMO'd. PMO is a term that comes from NoFap, the subreddit NoFap, um, which means pornography, masturbation, and orgasm. That is the cycle of addiction when it comes to compulsive behavior as far as pornography is concerned. Uh, but th- So that would be the explosive event. That would be the north side of the, the spinner. Um, what fuels that? So I have... I'll, I'll take a picture of this and I'll put it on, uh, again, Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection, the Facebook page. Um, and I have a little rocket that's tied to it. It's just a little doodle thing. My my artwork isn't very good. But it has a little rocket on it that's helping to fuel the thing spinning, right? And it says, um, the feel-good rush. So you feel good, right? And that's not just, listen, that's not just the, the orgasm or the climax in the sexual compulsive behavior. It is also when you go off, right? Your frustrated frustration, again, is always birthed out of unmet expectations. That word always, that's one of those, should I say always? I think it fits. I think it fits here. Usually, if you're frustrated, that's where it's coming from. You're expecting something, it didn't happen or you're expecting a person or a computer or your smartphone or, right, and then you get frustrated because it's not working like it should. Uh, that's a whole nother show <laughs> right there. So the west side of this fidget spinner um, thing I got drawn here. Actually, we'll do east. So it's spinning from, like, it's spinning clockwise all right so the next one on the east side we'll call guilt and shame because that makes more sense as it's spinning the after you explode right in anger or rage or you know um the second the feeling the corresponding feeling is guilt and shame right like you either set a goal and you didn't reach that goal and you feel guilty or you feel shameful because you did it again. And maybe that's why you're listening. And I'm glad you're here because I've spun this puppy for years. All right. Uh, the rocket that I have tied to guilt and shame is you always and never. Right. These are very fatalistic terms. These are terms that you shouldn't use in a, a, a fight you know, with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? When, when the words always and never are thrown out. First of all, no one always or never does anything. That's crazy. Uh, but you feel like saying that. This is part of your ego. That ego rises up. It's trying to survive. It's trying to keep some kind of control or power going. And, and the ego says, you always or never. And, and even that word you, uh, my wife and I went to a, a counselor who said, try and remove these three words from your dialogues. And, and one of them was you, and the other two were always and never, right? So engaging your partner, if you are in a conversation, or maybe this is a, a friend or a coworker, removing it's removing those words. But see, then again, I think that's a more logic-based thought process that maybe doesn't really work. Russ at ASI247.org if you want to chat about this. But that's kind of where I'm thinking now. Because it's really logic-based, isn't it? It's very, you know, kind of right brain. I don't know. It's a frontal lobe kind of a, a thing. It makes logical sense that you wouldn't use those words. But what's going on really is this energy that's rising up from the inside. It's rising up from the ego. And it's really hard to stop saying those words but knowing that they're there and knowing that they could be harmful in you actually expressing how you feel, uh, I think can be helpful too. So that's the, the, the rocket. And usually this is also aimed at the self, right? So there's something inside you saying to you, you always, you never, you're going to fail. You're going to relapse again. Why even bother? This is such a big mountain. Why do you want to even, right? All these horrible negative things that you tell yourself after a, an explosive event. Um, 
you feel me, right? Some of you, I can see you're nodding your head out there. <laughs> you get this. This is this is the self-talk that goes on after the climactic explosion of, of anger and or um, ejaculation. Uh, self, right? Anyway, going to the south side as this thing spins. Um, isolation and aloneness. So after the guilt and shame sets in, and this is a big part of doing this podcast over the years, just getting you to, again, admit to someone that this is an issue. And I'll throw it out there again, Russ at ASI247.org. If you've never told anyone about this, you can send me an email. It's anonymous. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Also, ASI247.org. There are surveys on the page, you can do those anonymously. I ask you to fill out, you know, name yourself with a nickname or a code name or handle, right? And I'll ask you questions in those surveys that you've probably never been asked before when it comes to how this feels. Uh, I had a listener filled out a survey recently, which I'll read on the next show. And maybe I'll read a few more other ones if you guys are into filling out surveys. But that's a big part of the reason I put those surveys out there is because it's breaking this part of the spinner, which is isolation and aloneness. So I'm actually, and this isn't, that I'm not a therapist again, right? Disclaimer, right? Unless I'm not a professional. These are just questions nobody asked me when I was in that place. Part of the motivation for doing this podcast is that I never had a me I didn't have someone like myself saying these things to someone like me, right? I was just out there kind of floating around feeling like an idiot <laughs> and not trusting religious people and not trusting, you know, new agey people <laughs> or psychologists, you know, and, and I couldn't afford one anyway. I, I would have went to a psychologist. I've talked about that before. I just the money issue was so big and it just felt like another kind of rejection that you have to come up with several hundred dollars or really good insurance in order to have that need met. Um, but it's worth it, man. If you got the money, see somebody and to break that cycle, right? Getting at loneliness, isolation. This is the place depression just thrives. It's also the place addiction thrives too. It's like, uh, my friend John, he said that it's like, it grows really well in the dark, like mold, right? Like like this kind of nasty, moldy, musty, smelly thing growing in the dark. You open up and lo- let the light in on something like that. It tends, it don't like that, right? Um, and again, so the surveys are are a helpful thing, but more than that, seeing a mental health professional um, has has changed my life. So I'm a mental health advocate. Um, what fuels the rocket that keeps the spinner going that's attached to isolation and aloneness? Um, family, right? Family can... How you grew up, how you were able to connect or bond or get those feel-good endorphins going to get that that dopamine or norepinephrine. Um, There's all sorts of feel-good chemicals that go on in the brain when there's healthy development as a kid. And some of you may feel like you grew up in, in really healthy homes because you had money or mom and dad took care of you. But how was it when you were able to, I mean, how, how were you met when you were letting go of the stuff that's in your head and talking about things that maybe weren't safe? How was that met growing up at like 12 or eight, you know, again, Dr. Block was a uh, guest on this past show a long time ago. He was a a great guy. And he, he said, uh, his definition of intimacy is, all that stuff going on in your head, you share that with someone else. That's that's intimacy. I've said that before. Um, 
if I sound redundant, it's because redundancy helped me learn stuff. <laughs> it usually helps a lot of us, right? Learning to play a guitar or something like that. It's, hey, you didn't tell me, you show me that again. Um, anyway, not that I'm teaching a class here. This is just what I've learned about my own inner energies, all right, from a faith-based perspective. Throw that one out there. Uh, so, again, developmentally, how did family interact with you when it came to your connective tissues of how you get bonding um, how you get those those feelings, those needs met of being understood and loved with all of your feelings, even the the dark ones, you know, the ones that you don't tell everybody. The west side of the fidget spinner, getting into that one, here it is, judgment. Judgment, you know, that keeps this thing spinning. So in order to stay isolated and alone, a great a great thing to do is judge others, especially your family. You know, that'll keep you alone. That'll keep you it, uh, sitting on your high horse. It, it makes you feel, and there's those good feelings that come out from it. And that's that one of those little rockets, right? That keeps the thing going is what keeps it spinning is, well, you know what? I feel like I'm in control when I'm judging others. Um, cynical. That's another rocket. So there's even, there's two rockets on this one, right? Like the judgment's a, a big fuel keeping this thing spinning. Judgment and control, they go together like peas and carrots. And then you bring in some cynicism, you know? You season that puppy a little bit with some cynicism. Um, Henry Rollins is an old punk rock guy. I played a, a clip of some comic comedy stuff that he does. He does these uh, speaking tours, and he was talking about how people suck, right? Like those two words are are just kind of like a cowardice. It's a way to to escape and be like you don't have to understand someone else when you say something like that, right? It's a lot easier to be cynical than it is to understand the other, to ask questions, to, you know, as Jesus said in the, the golden rule, right, to love others as you would or treat others how you'd like to be treated. Um, getting both sides of the story seriously. I don't get to sit up there and judge and get that nice tingly feeling my ego gives me as I point the finger and go, bam, you're judged, right? There you go. Um, there was a thing in the news about the Nashville Statement. I don't know if you guys heard about that, but it's kind of evangelical America condemning gay marriage. And it had me thinking about the Trevor Project and all of this data and research that went into studying depression and suicide in the LGBT community. And it's just devastating and horrible. And then, you know, uh, the religious people in my country have to throw gas on the fire, you know, by, oh, we have this statement and here's, here's what you should and ought to do. I just like to remind people that Jesus was killed by the religious elites and the folks who were really had a lot invested in what should and ought to be done, right? Um, teen suicide is four times more likely amongst LGBT youth than, than their straight counterparts. I mean, stuff like that. It's it, it, But we can judge, right? Feels good to judge. Feels good to sit on that, that high horse and not understand, not investigate, not go to the gay community and meet some people, right, that are outside your comfort zone socially. Um, we're not meant to just be in our cliques. We're not meant to just stay with our race and think that we're superior over others. And that's part of this that's again why I did the punk theology is studying addiction and how people want to remove that word and call it bonding, connecting. We're we're not 
connecting in a healthy way in our culture. And that's a big reason, I believe, why porn addiction or sexual compulsive behavior is so epidemic, right? It's so rampant in American culture, especially. And then there's a breakdown, a study that was done of the 10 states that consume the most pornography. And like Utah is number one. I mean, some of the most religious places in the United States are the ones that consume the most porn, which I also find very interesting. I'm not going to admit it. And, and I think that part of the fuel of that is the judgment because part of their culture is sitting on a throne of judgment. And when you judge others, I mean, that's Matthew 7, right? This is stuff that Jesus said. As you condemn others, you're condemning yourself. You don't even realize it. As you play plank spec with the other, right? The big log hanging out of you. This is Jesus being funny, by the way, with the religious elites. Again, that's the people he was talking to. Like, oh, you see a speck in your brother's eye and you're going to correct him on that? Yet you have a piece of wood, right? You have like a two-by-four hanging out of your own eye? Eh, maybe you just can't see. You probably should remove that uh, that beam that's hanging out of your eye. Maybe build a, a house with it or something, um, right? So, again, this is judgment is, is part of keeping the thing spinning because when you judge... It feels like you are entitled to go ahead and repeat the behavior, you know? And then the energy, right? And then where are we back to north? Explosive event, right? Explosive event, guilt and shame, isolation, aloneness, judgment. What's after judgment? Explosive event, guilt and shame, isolation, and aloneness. Um. What keeps judgment spinning? Control, um, being cynical. Uh, what keeps the explosive event going? The feel-good rush. It feels good. That's why you do it. And you're releasing some energy. There's nothing wrong with releasing some energy um, until it starts causing issues in your life, right? That's maybe why you're listening. But some of you beat up on yourselves too much because you look at porn. That's why I'm glad I had Derek on, and I'm glad I met Seth Taylor because some of these approaches where you're counting your days and bearing down and the behavior mod is, is right, you're putting a date on a calendar, and um, I, I get it, and I still, you know, the date thing, okay, but when you carry that date and you're so emotionally invested in it that when you break the date, um, it it it, it brings up that guilt and shame, those feelings again, right? You never, you always, right? Why even write down a date? Because you're going to fail. You start thinking that way. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. If I had advice for someone who's keeping dates, and if you've had to write that date down more than five times, why don't you throw that whole idea just out the window? Because it's not working, and you're just releasing a little energy. Um, am I justifying pornography use? Listen, you have grace. That's part that's in the Bible. Um <sighs> repentance Ephesians 2 right this word um, which means to change direction life change it's the kindness of God that leads us towards that change it's not you beating up on yourself alright so yeah man if you're gonna look at porn go look at porn but don't judge others for it don't beat up on yourself because that's just keeping this thing spinning um don't just get all isolated and locked into yourself because you did that right the, if anything this is a, a blinking light on the dashboard that's saying need relationship you know and and so much of what you know the purity movement to use those words so much of that is it's just reaching back there behind the dashboard and clipping the light that is saying need relationship, need connection, need some bonding, need to let someone behind the counter, need to let someone, you know, need to talk about some stuff with another human that goes beyond the football and the weather, right? Um, that's what that is. 
So the, the, the isolation, the spinning fidget spinner of compulsive behavior, I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was a good um, tool to maybe help you expand your consciousness about it a little bit. <sighs> Be careful listening to these shows, listeners, <laughs> especially some of you um, in the Bible Belt, right? Like, that's one thing about organized institutional religion is it's not very encouraging towards consciousness. And here's why. When I mention things like this, and maybe you listen to the show more than once, and you've, you're hearing these words again, um, sometimes I think the reason why I listen to some information like more than once I wanted to get it is because I feel like I'm waking up when I hear it again and then I'm like oh yeah that's right you know and you feel a little more awake as you start to feel more awake and more conscious you can't get that toothpaste back in the tube all right see consciousness is it's continued it, it will continue to expand and institutions and systems and systematic kind of religious uh, clubs I'd call them um, they're they're more about keeping that system alive and they they want the system to survive and if you start expanding your level of consciousness you could be seen as a threat or you'll start to feel maybe even a little superior and your ego can get in there and you can feel like, oh, people here don't get me, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Or, you know, and, and, and I've done the church hopping thing, all right? But the truth is that people are just at different levels of consciousness and that's okay. Um, but again, I, so it starts to feel a little lonely as you expand your your level of consciousness. And that's okay. I think Jesus felt that way. Jesus talking with the disciples, right? He's being getting almost the time where he's going to be crucified. He goes to, to pray and, and he comes back and everyone's asleep, right? Like they're so into themselves or they still don't get it or they're so not awake and aware that they're they're over there sleeping you know and he's like oh you guys are you guys are sleeping and he's frustrated like, I get that God gets that even alright so I wanted to throw that out there for what it's worth the uh, fidget spinner of anger and frustration um, again if you want to send me an email, russ at asi247.org. Again, thanks to Michael for um, the, the, the keeping the show going, right? Uh, and if you'd like to give and support this podcast, uh, I'd love to, to have you on board as a co-conspirator, right? As a consciousness spreader. We're punk rock, man. We're getting out there, and we have a message, and it is... Uh, it's a little scary for some folks, right? You start letting go of your the thing giving you pleasure down there, all right? And no, I'm not talking about your genitals. Did you, did you think I was talking about your genitals? See? Um, the <laughs> you guys are right there with me, aren't you? What I mean by the things down there, that good feeling down there is the explosive offense. The guilt and shame, the aloneness, the uh, isolation, those comfortable places of judgment, right? Get to sit on my seat and feel innately superior over others. That shit's coming to an end. Boom. Waking up out of that. Yes. Um, you start realizing the systems of belief that have held you captive and you start breaking the chains on those belief systems and you start to see your behavior change and you feel some of that resistance and it's it it's good all right and some of you may be thinking oh i get it this old seattle punk rock guy is trying to turn us all into liberals or maybe that maybe that thought out there. I don't know. I thought I'd address it. One thing I've learned through this expansion of consciousness that the more I follow Jesus, again, my friend John, I have to credit him with this, but it's very true. The more I, I follow Jesus, the more I tend to tick off both 
my conservative and my liberal friends, right? I become too conservative for my liberal friends and too liberal for my conservative friends. And it's just like, that's just there. That's part of this expansion process. But again, ASI247.org, this is not just my club or I'm starting a new church or something like that. I, oh, right, let's join Russ's system <laughs> or institution. No, spirituality is way deeper than that. It's, it's, it's like love. It's like an ocean of love that you're tapping into, this unconditional love welling up from the inside, stopping that fidget spinner of compulsive, angry behavior and just swallowing it whole as you grow as a person. And, and I'm, I'm just, again, I'm grateful and honored to uh, be speaking to you now. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to, again, give, I would certainly appreciate that. Um, digital audio project on PayPal is how it's done. But you could, yeah, just the best, easiest way is to go through the website, ASI247.org. Also, if you're a new listener, if you could give a five-star review of this podcast on on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, however you're listening, I'd love to that's another way you can co-conspire with me and it helps with ratings and rankings and where the show is visible so again thanks you thank you for listening until next time I love you guys I do mean that sincerely I feel like kindred spirits with some of you who suffer in this way um, this guy Richard Rohr Franciscan priest that I've been kind of geeking out on lately he uh, he says that life change or this expansion of love and energy and consciousness usually happens through great suffering or great love 1 Corinthians 13 I don't know when the last time you picked up a Bible was but this is one of those passages I really recommend it's the definition of love in the Bible and it talks about what love is and what love isn't and it says you know even if you're really smart even if you could do miracles even if you're Harry Potter right of of Christians or spiritual people without love you're just you're you're like a clanging bell you're you're an annoyance without love fueling it energizing it and you could be the best of the best of the best at what you do but without love what is it whatever you do right and i think those feelings of depression or meaninglessness right these these dark feelings of nihilism start to invade our hearts and minds when love isn't present when love is pushed out because of the egos wanting to continue to survive i just pray i continue to pray that love grows and you feel and you start to see meaning you start to not just stop and smell the roses but you feel the electricity that is life contemplation stopping and thinking about your life and being grateful for where you're at and where you're going and who you are it's electric if you let it be till next time bye